Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We're talking about the, the finished work. Man, his leg just popped off. But we're talking about the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and that, uh, uh, you know, many times we... Um, we find ourselves as, as Christians asking God to do what he said he already did. And, uh, you know, and, and many times faith people, people who have been taught the principles of faith, they find themselves saying, I'm believing God to do this or to do that when God said, I did this, I did it. And it's already a, a completed work, a finished work, and that, um, you know, we're, we're asking him to do what is already a completed work. And when we do that, um, we are in reality, we're, you know, and I understand that, that uh, it's not our intention uh, to do that, but sometimes we we are asking God to do what He already did, and uh, rather than believing that He already did it, and, and the um, you know, I begin to see this many times in in the Scripture. One day I was watching a a, a Christian uh, television program, and um, they they were talking about. Um, divine healing, and uh, they were talking about the promises of God, and uh, you know we're we're believing God. You know we believe God for you know standing on His promises and all this. And the Lord just said to me, He said, "Healing is not a promise," and that kind of took me back for a minute, and I. You know, and I'm I'm questioning in my mind. I didn't actually verbalize it, but I'm questioning in my mind. Uh, healing's not a promise. And then he says, "No, healing is a report." There was a time when healing was a promise. There was a time when God had promised healing, but the healing has been finished. It was finished when Jesus went to the cross. When our sickness, our disease, and our pain came upon him and the work was finished, so no longer is it a promise. A promise implies that it is something we can expect God to do. But, uh, you know, I, I say this sometimes, and it is a, it's a shock uh, to people many times when I say, uh, you know, God doesn't heal anymore. What, you don't believe in healing? That's not what I said. I said God doesn't heal anymore. I do believe in healing. I believe that healing belongs to you. I believe that healing is a finished work and that there is no need for God to heal anymore. And you say, well, but I'm sick, okay? Um, in, in that regard, let me just say this, that there is a difference between the finished work and what we actually have activated in our personal life. And when, you know, there are things that 
that God did in Christ, that he provided for us in Christ, but I need to activate those in my life. Let me give you uh, probably the best example of all. Jesus bore the sins of the whole world. He paid the penalty for the sins of the whole world. The apostle John wrote in 1 John, he said that um, he, his sacrifice, referring to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, he is the propitiation, which means the satisfying sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the whole world. Now, that's what John wrote by the unction of the Holy Spirit. He said, not for ours only, but for that of the whole world. So the price for every sin has already been paid. The price for every healing has already been paid. Every sickness, every disease, and every pain was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ when he was nailed to the cross. And I've I, I like to, to share this because I, I want you to get the point. You say, well, Pastor, how many times are you going to say this? You know, I, I like what uh, uh, Dr. Fred Price said many years ago. Someone asked him, said, how long are you going to preach faith? And he said, until you get it. And so, uh, you know, how many times are you going to say this, Pastor? I'm going to say it until you get it. I'm going to say it until we all until we can latch on to it and, and and receive it and make it ours. And by the by then, there'll be some others who haven't got it yet. So I'll keep saying it. So in, in essence, I'm going to say it until Jesus comes back, all right? But, uh, uh, you know, the price for all the sin of the whole world was laid upon Jesus when Jesus was nailed to the cross because the scripture, God, God included a statement in the Old Testament. And he said, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And uh, the apostle Paul repeated that in Galatians chapter 3. He said, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. And uh, but he said, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So God had to get Jesus on a tree. He had to get him on a cross. That's why he had to be nailed to the tree. Because the moment he was nailed to the tree, he became a curse magnet. And all of the curse that belonged to you and I that was due to us came upon him. And I picture it like, you know, it came, it's coming upon him. Every curse is coming upon Jesus. And he bore that curse in his own body. And he bore it for one reason. And it was not so he could sympathize with us in our weakness. You know, I know that some, some Christians, they believe that the only reason Jesus went through what he went through is so he could sympathize with us. But that's not why Jesus went through the things that he went through. That's not why he was nailed to the cross. That's not why he became a curse for us. That is not why he became sin for us in order to sympathize with us. No, he became sin for me that he might relieve me of my sin. Praise God. He became a curse for me so that he might relieve me of the curse. He bore my pain that he might relieve me of pain. He bore my sickness that he might relieve me of sickness. Praise God. And it was the entirety of the curse. There is no more curse left to be dealt with. And so healing is not a promise it is a fact that is being reported to us on this side of the cross. Now, if we go back under the, you know, prior to the cross, if we go back to that time, healing was a promise. You know, it, 
In, in fact, in Deuteronomy, it says, if you diligently hearken to the voice of, uh, of the Lord your God and you keep all of these commandments, these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And, you know, and, and, and it, it is a promise that if they keep the kept the commandments, if they did what was commanded in, in the scriptures and, and in the law, if they did those things, then these blessings as a result would come upon them and overtake them. So yes, it was a conditional promise. But here is the thing. Jesus came and he met the condition on my behalf. Praise God. He's not waiting on me to meet the condition. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so here's the thing. I come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that he has given the fivefold ministry gifts in, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. It says that he gave the fivefold ministry gifts until we all come to the unity of the faith, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's saying he has given the fivefold ministry gifts until we all measure up to Jesus. Until we, every one of us, until we can stand side by side with Jesus and measure up to the same place that he measures up to. That's how long we need the fivefold ministry gifts to be in operation. So until I measure up, what am I? I am short. Jesus is the glory of God. He's the express image of the Father. And so until I measure up to the measure of the stature of Christ, until I fully... Now, you may say, well, it, it, it's, His righteousness has been imputed to you. Yes, but I am dealing with a guy that's living in a flesh and blood body. And... This flesh and blood body, though it, his righteousness has been imputed to me, on this side of it, I'm learning to walk in it. I'm learning to, under, to, to, to know what that means to me. I am learning to experience the fullness of what God has provided for me. And so until the day, now see, if, if I'm measuring up, let me just say this. So you can, you can judge yourself here. It's not my place to judge you, but it is your place to judge yourself. Okay? So until I measure up to that perfection, spirit, soul, and body. Now, there are days that my thinking is messed up. There are days I am not thinking like Christ thinks. Though my spirit has been born again and my spirit has been perfected because his perfection has been counted to me. Praise God. Yet my mind hasn't caught up with that yet. My mind don't even fully understand what it means. I'm understanding more and more what it means but my mind has not fully grasped what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ. And my flesh certainly has not caught up with that yet. And so there are things that, that I have not uh, grasped and made mine as far as the flesh is concerned. And I am growing into... But when you stand me up, the, the full, the completed three-part being created in the image and likeness of God, the, the three-part being spirit, soul, and body, and, until you can stand the spirit, soul, and body up next to Jesus, and I'm the same as he is. Now, my spirit is. My spirit already is because it has been born again. But, but you can't be born again until you die. You, you get that? You, you can't be reborn. What, uh, what has not died can't be reborn. 
my spirit died with him. And I was raised up with him. That's why my spirit has been perfected. And that's why in the eyes of God, he looks at my spirit man. But he wants this body to come in line with that. He wants this flesh to come in line with that. He wants my thinking to come in line with that. And so he has given us the fivefold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, until we all come to the unity of the faith, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So every day, if you take me on my best day and you stand me up next to Jesus, I'm short. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, thank God he's looking at the perfected man on the inside of this body. Praise God. He, he's looking at that, and that's what he's counting. I'm still learning to look at that man. I'm still learning to see that man. Now, when I look at the Word of God and I see how Jesus is, what I'm doing is I'm looking at that man on the inside. You understand that? We need to grasp that. When I am looking at the Word of God and I see Jesus in the Scriptures, I'm looking at my perfected spirit man because I have been joined to the Lord. We have become one. Praise God. But there will come a day when they'll lay this body in a grave and Jesus will return at some point. And when he does, then I get a new body. Praise God. And when I get a new body, then I will be completely uh, spirit, soul, and body. Now, it's not this same old body. This body will decay and return to the dust. But I will be raised up with a new body, a glorified body that will be in complete union with Christ. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, I didn't really intend to go there at all today. But, uh, but we need to understand that the work of Jesus is a finished work. And we need to stop asking God to do what he has already done. We need to find out what he's already done. And we give, you say, well, how, how should we pray then? We give thanks for what he's done. I don't need him to do something else. He finished. I need to find out what he already did and give thanks for what he already did. Praise God. Praise God. Healing is not a promise. Healing was a promise. But the promise has been fulfilled in Christ. He bore my sickness and carried my pain. He's not going to bear my sickness. He's not going to carry my pain. With his stripes, I was healed. My healing took place 2,000 years ago. Praise God. And so we're not asking God for healing. Now, we're going to receive the communion table today, and I want us to do it together because I want us to receive it today with this understanding. And, uh, um, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote to us in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And he talked to us about the communion table. And there's a lot of things that I could share today. Actually, I'm, I'm skipping down right now toward the bottom of my notes. Um, that may or may not result in me preaching shorter this morning. Um, but uh, 
Anyway, I am um, scrolling down to the bottom because I want to get down here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 17. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. He says, what, what you're doing and the way you're doing this is, is not uh, for the better. It's actually, what, what you're doing is actually for the worse. He says, I need to bring some correction to how you are receiving the communion table. And, uh, you know, if you're not receiving the communion table, I want to encourage you that you need to be doing this. And, uh, uh, you know, if you're coming to church, the communion table is available every Sunday morning. I want to encourage you. The Apostle Paul told us, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He did not say every week when you do this. He didn't say every month when you do this. You know, and different churches have different traditions on that and, and uh, uh, different practices on that. I grew up in a church that we did it the first Sunday of every month. And, you know, I remember growing up dreading Communion Sunday. And the reason I dreaded Communion Sunday is because the way that we were taught communion actually produced fear. It didn't produce what it was supposed to produce. The way it was taught produced fear. I was actually afraid to receive the communion table because I thought if I'm not worthy to receive this, then, you know, you're drinking damnation to yourself. That's what we were told. And it was because there was a misunderstanding of what Paul said. And I'm going to go through this today. And, and hopefully, you know, in, my intention is that if you have had some of these fears and maybe you don't receive the communion table because you've been afraid to, I want to alleviate those fears. See, because God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that's thinking right, okay? So we're going to get you thinking right today. Praise God. But the Apostle Paul said, In giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better but for the worse. Verse 18, For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that, th that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So in other words, they were setting people apart, and they were saying, you know, well, these people are approved, these people are not approved, these people are qualified, these people are worthy to receive the communion table, these people are not. And there were factions among them. And then he goes on and he says that, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. Now, if you can picture that, if you can imagine that, of course, if one's getting drunk, they obviously, some, I, I've heard people say, well, they didn't use real wine. Well, we don't use real wine, but they did. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been getting drunk, right? You know, you can drink a whole lot of grape juice without getting drunk. And uh, so, you know, they were using real wine that you could actually get drunk on. Uh, but Paul is, is actually, uh, uh, he's saying, you know, one is, one guy, he's over here and he's pigging out. And the other guy, he's getting drunk. And another guy doesn't have anything. 
And Paul's saying, you know, I, I, I need to bring some correction to this. And you see, they were, they were coming. It was not just a little piece of cracker uh, and a little cup of juice. They were partaking of an entire meal. And, um, but, but let's go on and let's, let's read this. He says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He said, that's not the primary reason why you're coming together. Um, he says, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall we say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Paul is bringing a word of correction, and he's saying, if you're eating because you're hungry, eat at home. You know, if, if you're not partaking of, of this as for its intended purpose, then do it at home, not at church. But then he goes on, he says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, look at that word right there, remembrance. He said, do this in remembrance of me. How do you remember something that hasn't happened yet? Okay? Remember I said that it's a finished work? The work has been completed, already done at the cross. Jesus already dealt with it. That's how we remember it. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. If it were a promise of something in the future, he wouldn't have said remember it. But the reason he says do it in remembrance is because it has already been finished. Praise God. And what we need to bring to mind, and I say this often, that it, there is no power in a little cracker. There is no power in a little cup of juice. But it is what it reminds us of. And so, let, let's go on. There's a part I need to get to here. Um, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 25, he says, in the same manner... He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Once again, we see the same thing uh, spoken of concerning the bread and then spoken of concerning the cup. And he said, Do both in remembrance of me. But let me uh, point this out. They, do, they are not... For the same purpose. They're for two different things. And uh, with this coronavirus that has been going around, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook. And I'm sure you have too. And some of those posts had to do with, well, the blood of Jesus protects me. And I don't like to be nitpicky. But sometimes we need to be nitpicky because we need to think right. All right? And it's not that, uh, well, God knows what I mean. Yes, but you're not thinking right. It's not that God doesn't understand what you mean. It's that the way you're thinking needs to be corrected. You need to get your thinking on board and understand. And I'll show you why here in just a moment. But he says, uh, you know, uh, it, it is not the blood of Jesus that protects us from sickness and disease. The blood of Jesus was shed for your spirit, man. The body of Jesus was broken 
for your physical man. So does the work of Jesus protect you? Yes, but it's not the blood side of that. It's the bread side of that because Jesus' body was broken. He bore your sickness and your disease and your pain. He bore it in his body so that you would not have to bear it in your body. The bread, he said, this is my body. He said, the blood, the cup, this is my blood, which was shed for you for the remission of sins. He didn't say my blood was shed for you for the healing of your bodies. He said my body was broken for you, but my blood was shed for you for the remission of sins. And so if we're going to receive this in a worthy manner, then we need to understand what it means because that is a huge part of receiving in a worthy manner is understanding what it means. He says, in the same manner he took the cup, he said, uh, you know, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus died not just spiritually. Some contend that Jesus died spiritually but not physically. Uh, but that's not what the scripture teaches. He died both spiritually and physically. Spiritual death is separation from God. And this is why when he was hanging on the cross, he lifted up his voice and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know that's the only time Jesus called his father God? He always referred to him as my father. But when he was hanging on the cross, he was hanging there as you. Do you see that? He's hanging there as you, not as Jesus, the Son of God. He's hanging there as you. Therefore, he didn't say, my Father, why have you forsaken me? He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was forsaken because he had become sin for you. He was separated from God. He had died spiritually. You know, he couldn't die physically until he died spiritually. The only reason we die physically is because we died spiritually. Adam didn't die physically until he had died spiritually, until he had become separated. Do you, do you realize that uh, as long as you are united with the life of God, you can't die? Now, this body has not been born again yet. Your spirit has been born again, therefore it will never die again. But your body has not yet been born again because the Apostle Paul taught us in, in uh, 2 Corinthians that, you know, uh, unless a seed is planted in the earth, it, can, it abides alone. It's got to die before it can be resurrected before it can come back to life. So, therefore, we are in, in a waiting stage in this physical body, waiting for this to put off mortality and be born again immortal. Praise God. Praise God. And once you have been born again, you will never see death again. Praise God. Praise God. But here he goes on, verse uh, number 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, I want us to pay very careful attention because it was this verse number 27. And from there on down, that made me afraid to partake of the communion table. And so maybe this, is, maybe this is causing you the same kind of anxiety about the communion table. So let's clarify what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Let's look at it very, very carefully. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy 
manner. Notice that the word unworthy, is it, is it connected to the person partaking? Or is it connected to the manner in which the person is receiving? Somebody, somebody help me out here. The manner. He says, whoever partakes in an unworthy manner. It is not connected to the person. It is not saying that the person is unworthy. Although every single one of why do you why do you need to partake of this? Because we're all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all at times, why do you need healing in your body? Because there is something going on in your body that doesn't agree with what Jesus did. You know, Jesus bore our sickness, disease, and pain. He provided healing for our bodies. Praise God. And there, if, if I need healing, it's because there is something going on in my body that is not agreeing with what Jesus did. And I need to bring that into agreement with what Jesus dealt with at the cross. So it says, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, one translation says treating it as a common meal. Let me tell you, there is nothing common about this. There is nothing common about this. You cannot just pour a little grape juice in a cup and, and put a piece, take a piece of bread and expect healing as a result. No. The power is in what it represents to you and what you believe concerning it. And, this is, and, and the Apostle Paul deals with that very issue right here. He says, but... Um, that if we treat this as a common meal, which is what was going on in Corinth, they were treating this as just, this is just our everyday meal. This is just a common meal. And they were not recognizing what it meant and what it was for. This is why I, I um, purposed in my heart that when we begin to receive the communion table on a weekly basis here at the church, I purposed in my heart that we would not allow it to become commonplace. Now, I know that for some of you, it has. Oh, well, we just do this. This is what we do at our church. If that is the case, this morning, I'm calling on you to repent. Now, I'm, when I say I'm calling on you to repent, I'm not saying I want you to come down here and, and uh, weep and wail and, you know, and, and carry on and, and uh, you know, try to convince God that you're sorry. That's not, what I'm, that's not what repentance is. Repentance is that you change your mind. And if you're receiving this as a common meal, your mind is not connecting with it correctly. And so I'm calling on you to repent. I'm calling on you to let your mind be changed this morning. That's what repentance is. If you will allow your mind to be renewed, your mind to be changed, then that is true repentance. And so if you are just thinking, well, that's just what we do at our church. You know, we, we partake of communion every Sunday. And, that's you know, hey, Honey, will you go down there and get me one of those cups and, you know, yeah, get one for you too while you're up there. You know, and it's just, a, it's just treated casually. This is to be treated with reverence, knowing what it is for. This is why an unbeliever is excluded from receiving the communion table. Now, at Word of Life, we don't exclude someone from another 
church, someone who doesn't have a church, we open up for that. But understand, it is for born-again believers, regardless of where you came from. But it's about born-again believers. It's because an un, a person who has never received Jesus Christ as their Savior does not really have an understanding of what this means. If you did, you wouldn't be an unbeliever. If you did have a grasp of what this meant, you would have accepted Jesus as your Savior. And so if that's you today, it's real easy. If you want to partake of this today, but you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that fast, you become eligible to receive the communion table. And you become a, a recipient of everything that it means. Praise God. Praise God. But the key is the understanding of what you're doing when you partake of this. Now, he says in verse 28, but let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, this is another part that was kind of confusing. Let a man examine himself. And what we were told was examine yourself and see if you have any sin in your life. You need to check and see if you have any sin in your life. And if you have sin in your life, don't you dare partake of this. And that, you know, I had a problem because every time I started examining myself, I was always looking for sin, and it's pretty easy to find when you start looking for it. Right? You know, if I had a bad attitude, sin. If I was in unbelief, sin. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Um, you know, if I was angry with someone, sin. If I didn't, you know, uh, treat someone right or said an unkind word or didn't fulfill something I had said I was going to do or, you know, uh, I uh, allowed something into my mind that maybe I, maybe I watched something on TV I shouldn't have watched. Sin. When we start really getting down to the nitty-gritty of what sin is, the Apostle Paul defines it as coming short of the glory of God. I was short of the glory of God. And to this day, if you stood me up next to Jesus, you'd say, he's short. So therefore, I wouldn't be qualified to partake of this. And I, I would disqualify every single one of you in this room. You know, I could do that in just a matter of a few minutes. I could disqualify all of you if it is about do they come short or not. See, he says, let a man examine himself. He's not talking about, you see, how can I have, the Bible says that if I have been purged from my sins by the blood of Jesus, then it says I should have no more consciousness of sin. How could I have no more consciousness of sin if somebody is continually reminding me of my sin? How can I have no more consciousness of sin if you're telling me to go and examine my life and look back and see if there's any... I, you're telling me try to remember what he says I shouldn't have any consciousness of. So he's not telling us to try to remember your sins, you know, he's, he's telling us, examine yourself to see, you know, are you in Christ? Praise God. Are you receiving this 
as a believer in what Jesus did. You know, am I, am I understanding what Jesus did? So take a little time when you receive at the communion table and say, Lord, help me to understand fully what this means. That's what he's talking about when he says, examine yourself. He said, because if you partake of this in an unworthy manner, in other words, let, let me say it this way. If Jesus bore my sickness, my disease, and my pain, but I partake of the bread in an unworthy manner, meaning he, he tells us what an unworthy manner is. He says an unworthy manner is not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, I am not recognizing what this means to me. If I partake of it in an unworthy manner, we were told if you partake of this communion table in an unworthy manner, God is going to strike you with some kind of sickness and some kind of disease. You better watch out. And therefore, I was terrified to partake of the communion table. Many have even died because of it. That's what they said. How can I receive the communion table when I'm worried that by partaking of this, I might die? How, how can you do that? How can you receive the communion table if you're thinking that maybe there's some hidden sin and I'm, 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 I'm examining myself. I'm trying to think of every sin I've committed, but I might have forgot one. And if I did, then maybe I'm going to die. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying He's saying the, the, the manner in which I receive is an unworthy manner because I am not recognizing what this is for. For me to say I can't partake of the cup because I have sin in my life is like saying I can't go to the doctor because I have sickness. For me to say that if, well, if, if I have sin in my life, I can't receive the, the cup then that is equivalent to saying, if you're sick, you better get well before you go to the doctor. I thought that's what you go to the doctor for. I thought that's why I received this is power for my life, praise God. If I got the power to do anything about it apart from this, I don't need this, right? See, the reason I need the blood of Jesus is because I am powerless to overcome sin without the blood of Jesus. The reason I need the bread, the reason I need his broken body in my life is because I am powerless to, to be healed without it. Praise God. Verse 29, whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. And then verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And that word sleep there, it means they have died prematurely. For this reason, what reason? For because they have partaken of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now, we've in fact, the way I just now said that was not was not good. Let me go back and and explain what I'm talking about. If I go to the doctor and he gives me a, a, a prescription, a medication that's supposed to keep me alive, you know, and, and he says you need to you need to take this medicine, I can carry that medicine home and. I can set it on my kitchen cab cabinet and never partake of that medicine. And 
you know, I, I can die because I didn't partake of the medicine. Now, it was not the medicine that made me sick. I was sick before I got the medicine. So here's the thing. If the broken body of the Lord was to provide healing for my body, but I didn't receive it the way I'm instructed to receive it, then I could die. It's not because I partook of the communion table in an unworthy manner that sickness came upon me. In other words, partaking, I, we could all just partake of this and just, just throw it down and, and, and call it good. But here's what Paul's telling us. If you do that, it won't do what it's supposed to do. It's not that it will cause you to be sick. How many of you know someone who has never received the communion table, but they're sick and maybe even died? Anybody know someone like that? You know, go ahead. You know someone that they don't, they don't go to church, they're not church people, they don't partake of the communion table, and yet they get sick and die. Anybody know? I mean, go ahead and raise your hand if you know someone like that. Okay, that tells me that it's not partaking in an unworthy manner that causes me to be sick and die because they didn't ever partake at all. But you see, this is supposed to take something off of you. And if you don't recognize what it's for, you don't recognize what it's supposed to do, it won't do it's just like leaving that medication sitting on your kitchen cabinet. It won't do what it's supposed to do. You can't blame it on the medicine. You were sick before the medicine. Praise God. The blood of Jesus is to empower you to overcome sin. The broken body of the Lord Jesus is to empower you to rise above sickness and disease and pain. Praise God. And so he goes on and he says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Well, see, here's the thing. The reason we have this is because Jesus was judged in our place. But if I don't judge myself and, and know that, you know, I, I understand what I'm partaking of here. If I don't do that, then the judgment, I, I am saying, Jesus, see, here's, here's the deal. Jesus went to the cross, and he paid for your sin, your sickness, your disease, your pain, your entire well-being. He paid for it all at the cross. But if I don't receive what he did, he received it because it was my judgment that came upon him. But the way I make that mine personally is by believing it. If I don't believe that Jesus bore my sin, then the day will come when I will bear the judgment of my sin. I have to accept Jesus as my substitute. If I don't believe that he was judged in my place, then I will be judged. If I don't believe that his back was beaten to provide healing for my body, then that judgment comes upon me because I activate what he did on my behalf by believing it. Praise God. And I am out of time this morning. We went a little long today. But I want... Right now, uh, I'd, I'd like to ask you to, if I could have someone just come up and play some acoustic guitar. And uh, um, as we come and receive, there's communion stations in the back and in the front. You just come up and receive. And I, I, I would like, to, if you're a born-again believer, I want every one of you to receive this today.
Praise God. And I want to encourage you to receive it as often as possible. Praise God. Because it keeps you in remembrance of what Jesus did for you. Praise God. And as they're coming, if you're sitting there this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I have never received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching online and you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Right now, let's pray this prayer as we're, as we're waiting on everyone to be served today. Just say this with me. Everyone, please say this. Say, God in heaven, I am so thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I believe that he paid for my sins, that he paid the price so I could have healing for my body. I believe that he rose again from the dead so that I could have new life. And today I choose Jesus. I choose to believe what he did, that it was for me. And I choose to receive what he did for me. Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. I give you permission to personally save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you meant what you said. According to God's word, you are saved. Praise God. And so I've got an offer for you. If you'll go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com. I've written a little mini book there that you can download free of charge called I Choose Jesus. Just go to that website and download that book. It'll help you to know how to proceed from here in your new walk with the Lord. Praise God. But I want us to receive this today. We're going to receive We're going to receive the bread today on behalf of our world. You see, we're going to we're going to stand in the place of an intercessor. Jesus took our place. But much of the world doesn't know that yet. We need to get them told. But we're going to we're going to stand in their place today. Not just for you, but for those around you. For those that you come in contact with. You know, I know there are a lot of people that right now are not touching one another. And that's okay. But you know, the Bible teaches about the, the laying on of hands. And what that is, is a, through the through the physical touch, there is a transfer of power that takes place. It's a Bible principle. And, you know, I purposed in my, in my heart a long time ago. I try to be conscious. I'm not always conscious, but I, I try to be conscious of when I shake hands with someone, when I pat someone on the back, when I give someone a hug. You, you see, the transfer of something via touch was not the devil's idea. He never had a single uh, original idea, ever. He has always taken something that God intended for good and he's twisted it and perverted it. And so, he took this principle of laying on of hands as being a physical point of contact. And he took that and he perverted it to spread sickness, disease, and pain. But I, I, I be, intend to be conscious of the greater one is in me. And so when I touch someone, I expect healing and health to flow from me, not the other way back. Now, I know that we're trying to be good citizens here. And if, if you want to shake my hand, that's okay. I, I, I don't mind at all. If you don't want to, that's okay too. Uh, 
and uh, you know nothing will be thought of it other than you know we're just trying to be good citizens. Praise God. But I want you to partake of this on behalf of those around you, those that you come in contact with on a day-to-day basis. I'm hearing testimonies of people that are standing in line at the at the supermarket trying to buy some toilet paper. That's all they're trying to do. But they're talking about the coronavirus and it opens an opportunity to share Jesus. So I want you to do that. But let's lift the bread this morning. And let's say this together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you permitted your body to be broken for me so that I could have healing and health. Lord Jesus, I stand on behalf of my world, my neighbors, my co-workers, and I thank you that your body was broken not just for us, but for the whole world. And I receive this on behalf of those I come in contact with because you have called me to be salt and light. And I receive this today in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread. One thing I know for sure is the devil always overplays his hand. And when he means to destroy something, it turns out for many being born into the kingdom of God. And I believe this is going to be no different. So we're going to lift the cup today. We're going to receive this on behalf of those around us. We're going to ask the Lord to deal with the hearts of people and to open up opportunities for us to share Jesus. And when you do, when he does, then we're going to step through that door of opportunity. Praise God. And we're going to share the Jesus, which is the reason we're not afraid. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give thanks for the cup. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your blood was shed for me for the remission of my sin, that my sins are no longer counted against me because Jesus was judged on my behalf. But not only for me, but for the whole world. Jesus, I ask you, by your Holy Spirit to open doors of opportunity to share your goodness and your love in a dark time. I receive this today in your name, Lord Jesus. Take just a moment. Our president has asked us to pray. We've already prayed, but I want us to go out praying, and I want you to continue in an attitude of prayer throughout the day. Anytime a government official, I don't care what you think about them, if a government official asks you to pray, it is your responsibility to respond to that and pray. Praise God. Praise God. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the declaration that has been made of today as a national day of prayer on behalf of our world concerning the coronavirus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just do what our president has asked us to do, and we pray today because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe and know that the body of Jesus was broken on behalf of the whole world. Lord Jesus, 
as salt and light in our world, we come today on their behalf. And we call this coronavirus dead and gone, ineffective, inactive. We call it to nothing in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 